magic of the sunstone, you're tuned into the Jewel Riders Archive. Hey, Jewel fans, I'm Chris. And I'm Ronnie from the Jewel Riders Archive. We're here today again with Jacksworth to talk about the second book of Avalon Web of Magic, All That Glitters. Welcome back, Jack. So in this episode, we are going to be talking about book two of Avalon Web of Magic, All That Glitters. So let's kind of just start off with general feelings, and I think I'll go first. So again, this is my first time reading this series, so if we have fans out there who are reading along with us, if you're reading it for the first time too, you have my same enjoyment, hopefully, and just emotional um, connection that I'm bonding with the girls. Um, I will say, finishing the book made me cry. I literally cried when I finished that book. It was so moving. What what part specifically? I think that it was just the connection that the girls had made. And when Kara had given the gifts to Emily and to Adrian, and when Adrian was like, I, I can't accept your gift. And Emily was just, you know, so Tamara-like and so sweet and like, oh, that's so sweet of you. You know, I, I love it. And, you know, when Kara told Adrian, no, you have to accept the gift. Like, you're my friend. I think that that was such a core aspect of even just Jewel Riders with the very core of, you know, friends together, friends mm-hmm. forever. And, and that mm-hmm. friendship is the most powerful magic and everything. So that's, I think that, that was the reason why I felt so connected to the girls. Okay. How about you, Jack? Well, this book from, for me, um, like going back into this is probably one of the um, ones I like the most out of the entire series. Oh, interesting. Yeah, like oh, you get Kara. She's kind of I don't know. She's she's like the the popular girl. You get to see her slowly. Uh, yeah, popular girl, but then she becomes a um like a more um, like caring person as the yeah, series. Right, you start, definitely. You start to see that in this one. Now to refresh, did you say that Kara is more or less your favorite character? She was not my favorite character. She was like. She's my favorite character. Oh, okay. <laughs> so again, Jack, then who do you feel like you identify more with? Um, Adrian, probably. Okay. Okay. So it is okay. So Adrian. And I mean, you know, it's funny. I do really like Emily, but I feel like she had such a larger role in the first book. Now maybe that's just the way that the book series is set up where, you know, Emily kind of has more of the forefront you know, storyline in the first book. And then in the second book, we're focusing more on Kara because, you know, she's the up and coming one. And then it looks like in the third book, well, I'm just looking at the title, but I'm assuming it focuses on Adrian. So maybe that's just yeah. the way the book series was kind of set up. Yeah, it is kind of set that way with um, like, there's books where like they focus on one girl and then there's later one where it's like all three of them get some screen time. Gotcha. Yeah, but I think it's nice because each of the first three books kind of focuses on each of the three girls. Right. And that's what I like because, you know, you're setting kind of the story elements to it. You're you're still getting to know the character. This is about the character rounding out. And so you're able to kind of read and understand from each person's perspective. So, I mean, I guess I'll just have to wait until book three to really see, okay, who do I identify with most? Because 
you know, after reading the first one, it's like, yeah, I love Emily. But then in reading the second one, it's not so much that I like Kara the most, but I think it's just because it was so focused on her that I started to understand her. But still, there were definitely parts of her, like, you know, when she's still kind of struggling with, well, these are my real friends and Emily and Adrian are kind of just the weird girls and they could possibly make me unpopular where you're just like, ugh, like, I don't like you. Like, you're such mean person. <laughs> but isn't that so true to life? Well, that's where... what I'm saying. You know, that I think that that's the reason why young people can identify with this series because as an older person reading this and they're talking about seventh grade, but yet I can remember those years and I relate it to even experiences that happened, you know, during sixth grade or during high school where we went through those same kind of bouts of, you know, hey, this person's unpopular or I can't associate with this person or blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's like social capital mm-hmm. at that age is kind of the only thing that you have to trade. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's, I like that they tackle that in this book. And I like that, I really appreciate that Kara goes through some pretty significant growth in this book. And I will mention about the villains or the people that you assume are the villains. When you keep seeing these banshees show up, I mean, I took a picture of the artwork and I felt like there was a lot more prominent artwork in this book than it was in Circles in the Stream. And I really enjoyed being able to visualize it because in my head, I'm trying to, you know, see what it looks like. But then as soon as you see the official art, you're like, oh, okay, that's what it looks like. And now I can picture it. But it just felt so much more... I don't know if tense is the right word, but like it it felt more suspenseful in reading this particular book than I really felt with like their initial Black Fire encounters. And when you're seeing the monsters, the manacores, like Circles in the Stream didn't really seem menacing, but I really felt menaced in the in all that glitters and there was just so many different elements i mean anything from kara's rainbow hair to the way that she was you know shopping and like seeing all those references and then getting more jewel rider references as well so like when ozzy is swinging from the orbiting planets and he says it's it's so archy and there was just other elements to it like you know seeing the reflection of her or you know who is supposed to be in the in the mirror and seeing the unicorn running with her like that was just all really cool I really have to say I love the storytelling of it this one seems like uh, the danger is actually more personal in this one like the first thing you just have this monster just terrorizing animals and it's like their introduction to all the magical stuff and then this we actually have basically an army of magical creatures like put like um, targeting one person specifically and like that's how you can tell it i love the fact that they wove in that she needed the assistance yeah she needed the assistance Mm -hmm. of the of the animal friends that was that was a fun thing i think that that's a good nod to you know like the the animals that you're bonded with i love definitely and it's such a it's such a jewel what was that i love the little dragonflies Oh yes, there's such a there's such a cute um and again kind of taking it back to jewel riders, they are they're another jewel riders connection by way of dragon riders of Pern, because they're very similar to the little fire lizards that everyone keeps and as pets in that series. And that's they remind me so strongly of that. So that was really fun, you know, to see something that was in the development of jewel riders that made it really more all the way to Avalon Web of Magic than in into jewel riders i hope we continue to see them 
they're very yes they they continue yeah you, you will show. see them all very fun I love that she named all of them too. Yeah, <laughs> so Fred. ridiculous. Names Fred, exactly. <laughs> it's so cute. Now, from at least you know, recently we just celebrated Earth Day, and I love the fact that there was one Avalon fan that had posted a picture of Kara's rainbow hair, and they quoted from the book, and they were saying that it's symbolic and it represents the way that all of the different animals exist together, and that we need to to care for them. And I thought that it was actually quite on point for an Earth Day message, but I'm also looking at it from at least like a, an animal lover's perspective. There's so many magical and mystical type of creatures that we are encountering. And I I keep wondering, like, you know, there's they just keep showing up. It's like, it really hasn't been explained yet. Like occasionally, there is animals that have been burned or they were in captivity like Lyra, you know, those animals escaped. But yet these other animals, I mean, I know that they were initially healed, but now they're all just kind of living there. It's like, I don't know. It's like you, you'd think that they would somehow create some sort of like, I don't know, some sort of something to protect themselves. Like, I, I guess that's what the web of magic is for over the portals and such. But it's just like they keep kind of sitting around and like all the villains know where they're at. Well, I mean, they came to look for the mages, right? Yeah, back, back backstory stuff, or like there, like there aren't that many portals that are open. I, I think like the only one right now that definitely exists is the one between Earth, like this one spot on Earth and the magical world. I think that's how they explain it. But you have to like, it's not. I don't even. I don't think they mentioned in the book. I think it's like you have to like really dig through the um, background material to find that information. Okay, and at least the, the the title is starting to make more sense now when it's like Avalon Web of Magic. It's like, okay, she was taken, I'm assuming, towards the heart of Avalon, or I guess that's more of a Jorah's reference, but like, you know, she was taken to Avalon, but she wasn't able to, I guess, stay there or find her way there or whatever it might be. So she still needs more power or more knowledge, but at least the web of magic part is starting to make sense because they created the web out of her hair, but still, you know, it's, <laughs> they made this like dream catcher. So I like that the dream catcher is also a recurring theme. Yeah. It dovetails really nicely with Adrian's sort of native American heritage and the rocking stone and all, and all of those elements. But I mean, I, obviously, you know, the magic web refers to not just the web over the portal. Yes, but it's the obviously star the web. web, the web in between worlds, basically. So like the wild magic tunnels. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's basically a giant network of portals, and the um, like, there's uh, sort of lines that go in between them. Like you'll see it in a later book. So. Okay. Yay. <laughs> And yeah, I just, just I love it. More on the Earth Day mm -hmm. stuff. I know um, you can probably speak more to this, Jacksworth. But I mean, the series yeah. has a huge, like, conservation message. And Rachel Roberts, yeah. I know, used to always post blogs about like animal rescue and and conservation and all of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Do you you remember any of that material or? Yeah, or remember I do. Seeing... Like, yeah, I actually do remember the um, books originally when they were first published I, for Nature's Defense, which was um, some sort of like 
children's wildlife conservation things like done by I think Maine Society. I don't think that exists anymore because I tried looking for it. And then like later on, they used to like do tie and stuff like where they had um, bookmarks with the characters on it for um, like the, for wildlife conservation things. And then sometimes Rachel Roberts would post stuff on like beach cleanup. Like she. I know she like, cleaned up a beach that was really close to where I used to live. So, oh wow, and, okay. Uh, which was really weird, but then like I wasn't living there anymore. So I was like, oh, I could have oh, missed my chance <laughs> of meeting her. <laughs> right. I could have joined this beach cleanup and met Rachel. Met <laughs> Rachel Roberts. <laughs> How funny. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. D- was that in the Bay Area? I mean, no, this was back in LA. I, I grew up oh. in LA. So. Oh, okay. So and she lives in. Somewhere, I think. Gotcha. So. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Mm-hmm. But you know, regarding the conservation, um, I mean, I know that it was just a way for them to kind of stay open, and and I think it's more or less just an author message of trying to make sure that you know they also share their beliefs and what they're passionate about with with the young generations who are reading this story. But I I I'm starting to feel like it's also kind of just like a a subplot that was created in the first book that is just kind of needed just for consistency. I don't really feel, I don't know. Like, I mean, you know, Kara seems like the one who would throw a gala or something to welcome all the people, but they haven't done that really in the second book. Like she was going to, I thought she was at least. She she will. She will finally get her fundraiser party a few books from now. (laughs) Oh, a few books from now. (laughs) Okay. Gotcha. Like, like, there's, um, yeah, there's one book that's all focused around that, sort of. Okay. And, you know, another Jewel Writers reference, when I'm looking at this, you know, Adrian, you have Storm, and for Kara, I'm assuming we have this unicorn, and Emily, again, kind of just seems to be paired with all of the animals. So kind of same thing with Tamara, like, she just has all of these baby animals around her. I mean, I, I don't want to give a spoiler, but it's just like, you know, is that kind of going to be consistent throughout the series or, or is it kind of like Tato's song, you know? It's, it's pretty consistent. Okay. Okay. And, yeah. and um, Kara's bonded animal really is Lyra. It's not the unicorn. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, now well, the I unicorn belongs The unicorn belongs to somebody else. <gasps> Uh-oh. We'll have to find out what it is. <laughs> we'll <have to laughs> exciting. Can't wait. Okay. So Lyra is more of her bonded animal. So which is yeah. interesting because it's this cat. And remember, wasn't it? Well, I don't remember if it was the last animal, but a cat was one of the animals that Gwen yes. goes winged, down the line of. A winged leopard is mm-hmm in Jewel Quest as one of the possible animals for Gwen. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, those animals were never going to be it because you look at it and it's like, oh, <laughs> you have this leopard or this like antelope or you have you know, this other thing. And then you have this pretty sun colored unicorn, like obviously, <laughs> which one is she going to bond with? You know? She's got sun in her name. Why? Right. <laughs> Plot twist, she actually ends up with the antelope and its name is, <laughs> I don't know, Pointy. <laughs> <laughs> but 
but those random things that might, you know, go through my head. So I was also checking a couple of references that I loved um, in the series when I, when, you know, when I'm reading different things, there are different passages that kind of jump out to me and, and I want to make reference to them. I just recently posted a video of me reading the lines of Kara and Adrian and Emily going back and forth, but doing them kind of in a, in a Joel writer's voices. Because for me, that's the way that I read the story. Like Adrian has Fallon's voice, you know, Kara is Gwen, you know, Emily is definitely Tamara. Those are the voices I have assigned to them. So that's what I hear. But, um, when I was reading, let's see here. Um, we talked about the do and Ozzy. Um, the other one is they specifically said light up jewel. Um, let me find that passage. Oh, um, they said because Molly only days ago were totally um, making fun of of them and now they were like all over it because it wanted light up jewels. So, you know, Kara's talking about her friends were making fun of the jewels and everything. I just love the fact that they used light up jewels. Like that's, you know, mm -hmm. kind of the the selling point of the toys. That you can go buy at Claire's accessories in the mall. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um and then Let's see. Um, I, I mean, those are some of just the main things. Like, I mean, I was just, you know, looking and you know, like, I, I just, I'm liking the different Jewel Rider references or the things that kind of go back to it. Now, so, Jack, when you were reading it originally, and I know that you said that you had found it from, you know, from Stormy and, and associating it with Jewel Riders, but did you pick up on all of the kind of the, the Jewel Rider references during the initial read through? Not really, actually. I haven't gotten into tapes at, at that time, so like, it's like the series is just like, okay, I just remember the three girls, and they have, they have awesome jewel tissue laces out of them. So so I didn't really catch references to it until I think maybe like my third or fourth read through. It's like, oh, wow, they're actually saying a line from the story. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. But um, like, like the first time, just like really general things, like, oh, okay, so we got um, like princess type blonde who likes animals and um the uh token not not white person so right and i think that it's just you know we all kind of had different experiences because you read it kind of as you know this is the book series that i'm reading i'm not really associating it with jewel writers you know chris you read it because you knew that it was inspired by jewel writers meanwhile mm -hmm. i'm reading it because of jewel writers so it's like we're kind of all on different spectrums of why we you know read it necessarily or how we're associating um but i mean there was other another reference too when they were aligning their gemstones yes. and they displayed the portal or whatever it was in in the library and it was like that it's so just revenge of the dark stone where they all align their jewels to show what was hidden or whatever like that was like that whole scene was just totally inspired by that episode well in this book they also specifically talk about tuning jewels yes i saw that as well 
Yes, they said that the the jewels had to be tuned and that, you know, it tunes itself kind of to the person. And the whole time that I was reading it, too, this is what I was taking away from it. When it was saying, well, perhaps the jewel was already tuned to someone. Maybe it was something else. I was like, oh, it's the dark stone. I was like, Kara's Lady Kale. I was like, she's the villain of this all. Like, she's the evil one. Like, that was my takeaway from that. So right now, I am totally pro Kara's the villain. That is my on it i know it's not true but that's the way i see it so it's lady Kara. well much like gwen and kale related you know they they i said they might be don't tell me don't tell everyone else right i don't want to know yet uh I love it. It gets me so worked up. I'm like, I'm literally excited about this. And that's what I was telling Chris is that reading this, you know, and and getting so connected with the characters and crying about it is that, you know, it makes me want to continue to read the story, which is obviously with the intention of a book. Like you want to read <laughs> yes. a book, you know, but, you know, Jack, I mean, when you first got it, like, did you kind of just pick it up? I think that you said that you went back and kind of looked for more of the book series. So like you kind of binged read all of them. Yeah, like, I, like, when I bought them, like, I think the first six books were out, so, like, I just bought all of them and read them one right after the other, and um, I didn't know there were more books until, like, I just wandered into Borders, and suddenly there's a new one, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> there's more, because, like... Did the sixth book kind of end on a cliffhanger? Like, you're like, I, I guess this is the end? Yeah. Like, it doesn't feel like it? Yeah, like, like it's... Like it ends, like like it actually like it feels like it ends. Like you know, they still have more things they need to do, but like I, you could have been fine like with the first six books and like imagine the, the rest of it, you know? Okay. But yeah. I mean, much like the first season of Jewel Riders, the first six books tell a tell a full story or something, or they at least comes to a natural break point. So what you're saying is seven and up is the second season and but good okay i was just gonna mm-hmm. say <laughs> okay then i mean you know am i expecting a trouble in elf town book am i expecting a mystery no. island book? <laughs> no you're, you're gonna ex- expect more a lot lots of plots and it starts getting a lot darker That's okay <laughs> Oh, so it was the exact opposite, where it felt like the first season of Jewel Riders was a lot more dark and a lot more formed, whereas it seems like the later books of Avalon are the ones that are a lot more darker and kind of more mature. Do you think that that's because they felt like the audience matured? I'm actually not quite sure about that. Like, the ones that actually start getting really dark are the ones that were released and was um, republished. So I'm entirely sure, possibly, because by the time I got those, I was definitely an adult and still reading children's books <laughs> right so Nothing wrong with that. as we all are <laughs> you know and speaking of children's books and 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 you know the illustration aspect of this because i'm reading the omnibus so for me this artwork is what is essentially the characters to me so when i'm looking at this you know Anything that is representative in this book is going to be Allison's artwork, and that is what I interpret as the characters. Now, just out of curiosity, because you guys had the first 
you know, iterations of this with that classic kind of more watercolory, like very bright artwork. Do you associate that more with it? Like, is that classic Avalon for you? And this other one is kind of like a revamp edition? Um, for me, not. It's just replaced the way they look and is how they look like in the, uh, like in the republished version. So. Yeah, I didn't, I, I mean, I owned the original books, but I never actually read them in those editions. I didn't read them until I had the new editions. And I've definitely always liked the Allison Strom artwork. And the, to me, that's how the characters look. Okay. Yeah, not the 90s Taco Bell covers. Aw. I mean, they're still <laughs> fun. I like them. Why are they Taco Bell? Is it because they're multicolored? Yes, they're crazy. <laughs> that was the 90s. Everything was very colorful. Besides, you know, they attract attention, which obviously it did. Everyone bought them. So there you go. You know, I, I'm just thinking about this series and how interesting it is. And it's like, again, I'm reading it because of Joel Ryder's. But because I've started to connect with the characters, I'm starting to want to read it just because I really like the book, you know, and that's a very interesting observation on my end. Well, that's a good thing. Yes, it is. (laughs) You know, when a when a book series can draw you in like that, that's always a good a good piece. To me, I I definitely enjoy the Jewel Riders connections. But at some point, you know, that's you're reading it just because you enjoy it, right? Mm-hmm. That's definitely where I'm getting at. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't read something forever based on like, well, it's based on this thing that I like. So I guess I have to, even if I don't like the actual thing. Let's hope that you don't get there. <laughs> no, I mean, nobody wants to be at that point. Summary of the series, Jack. Like, what yeah. what would you say, like, from a fandom standpoint like do people really you know still latch on to Kara's rainbow hair do they latch on to her connection with the unicorn over Lyra like what is it like from at least from a fandom's perspective because we've talked a whole lot about the jewel writers connection but I want to hear from your guys's perspective um I think mostly it's Kara's rainbow hair in this one because like that's like a really iconic scene where like she just shows up like right in front of the school and like her hat's is falls off not uh, not not that she wants it it's just the gas that she has this rainbow hair that emily comes up and like saves her with some like made up thing about how it's like oh it's about animals yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I know it's like, it's like yes <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know i feel like if that book was written nowadays they probably would have come up with some other, other way to uh, pull it off i don't think her would have been quite as embarrassed about it <laughs> Right. Well, I guess you also have to take that into the context because reading this in 2020 and mermaid hair is totally cool. Like people do that, you know, and and I'm looking at this and it's like, oh, it's rainbow hair. And I'm like, what's wrong with that? Like, I'm sure a lot of people would really like the rainbow hair, but I kind of have it in the context of, you know, it kind of felt more like a, a clown wig rather than her real hair or whatever. But I'm kind of picturing pastels. Like I don't picture like rainbow. I picture like pastel light colors yeah it's kind of, kind of how light like sh- shimmery pastel-y rainbow colors and not like garish i'm a I, i'm wearing a curly clown wig sort of thing <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm wearing a leftover thing i found from pride <laughs> exactly <laughs> so now the rainbow hair 
I guess, spoiler alert, but do we see this again or is this like a one-time so, thing? Um, it, it's, a, it's a one-time thing. I mean, like Kara does, her hair does change color, explosion hair. Hmm. Okay. So I guess we'll just wait and see then. But it is interesting how, you know, one little element can be so impactful on the fandom that, you know, you see rainbow artwork or whatever, like fans drawing the hair that way. Well, that's interesting, you know, that it, in, you know, this same year, right when we're reading this book, here we go, and there's a fan piece of fan art featuring mm-hmm. that exact thing. I thought that was really neat. Right, right. And again, they did it in honor of, well, they were doing it because they were updating their Avalon um, artwork, but it just worked in with Earth Day as well. So Chris, any other takeaways specifically from the book that you got, whether it's emotional connections or or, or even just other connections, like Jewel Rider connections? I love that this is, you know, in the in the last book, it's, the threat is sort of it's it's bad, but it's impersonal. This is the book where, that it becomes personal because they start sending you know creatures right after Kara, and and it raises the stakes for the characters, which I really like. And like you said, it's a yeah, it's like this is a this is a book where you start to wonder like you know yes, there's this huge magical mystery to be solved, but the personal mystery of you know. Will they become friends for real in this series? And will they become friends like the Jewel Riders characters? And I think it's really neat to see that sort of begin to happen in this book. That is a good analogy. And I think I would say similar with regards to Adrian and Emily. I never really thought about it. It's like pre-Gwen, you know, Tamara and Fallon were kind of going around the countryside as jewel riders, you know, they were just more or less there to keep the balance of the magic because Merlin was really in control. It's not like they were out there fighting, like how Archie says, you know, the jewels were not intended to be weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and I think that they're really, it's kind of the same thing because I feel like Emily and Adrian's stones, they're more or less to help them, to guide them. And I feel like as soon as, I don't know if it's called the unicorn jewel, but, you know, as soon as, <laughs> you know, Kara found this unicorn horn gem thing, then you're right. I mean, the menace kind of came into play and then they started to come after them. Whereas before it was, they were after the animals. And again, that's where I started to have all these sorts of ideas. Like when they were like, oh, well, they're only after the animals. And then Kara's like, well, then why are they after me? I'm like, oh. And she sees a reflection of the unicorn. Like, she's really a unicorn. She's a unicorn princess, but really she's the villain. She's like all in one. Like she's, she's multiple personality disorder. I have no idea. Like Kara's just everything in this. <laughs> it sounds like a Ronnie production. Like Ronnie Del Mar is this and Ronnie Del Mar is that. Like you, you just play the whole thing, you know? Yeah. There, there's another couple of jewel writers connections that really stand out to me in this book. One of them being well, the mention of fairy wraiths, mm-hmm. um, something you know that calls back to jewel writers definitely. Um, the the mental connection between Lyra and Kara, you know, where she can she can understand her and even after she loses the jewel. It reminds me of how Gwen she can even talk to that. Star. Yeah, there's right. A, she said, she said, you know, oh, I'm just glad that I can still talk to you. Like even though she lost her jewel. That's actually said word for word for. I think they say that word for word in um, 
uh, was it full circle in, in the um, in the show? Like that's like when they they're still able to talk to their animals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even even though the jewels lose power and they still have their friends, like we'll be friends right. forever, essentially. Right. And I mean, if that then that's a tip off to Jewel Riders fans that you know Lyra and Kara are bonded, which apparently I didn't pick oh. up on. Like <laughs> you're, you're distracted by the unicorn. <laughs> I am distracted by the princess unicorn villain. <laughs> um, I'm I'm looking through my list here of other Jewel Riders references I wrote down. I actually, I actually laughed on hair in was Jewel that? Riders. Too bad there was never rainbow hair in Jewel I Riders. Know. Like yeah. in Song of the Rainbow, I don't know. The rainbow jewel turns Tamara's hair rainbow or something. That would have been cool. Oh, I, I did write down that at one point Adrian creates a magical lasso. Yes. Which is, which is something that Fallon does during the show. The other thing I think is that if it wasn't obvious in the last book, um, Henry Gardner, the owner of Ravenswood, is the Merlin analog, complete with his, you know, secret house full of magical oddities and and he's missing and he's not there to help them on their right. journey of discovery it's, and everything. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The other connection I saw was in the very beginning when Kara's rifling through all of her clothes and her dad fashion comes fever. in and asks her for help. I was like, oh, that's so like fashion fever. When mm-hmm. I saw that too. I totally Jared thought of that. When, yeah. I thought that, right. I thought that was a really cute moment. Also, I want Kara's house. Just FYI, if anybody is uh, selling. Is it because of the barbecue patio and and the sauna I mean, room and everything else? I want like sunken tub sauna room. <laughs> Roman. It does sound like a beautiful house. house. Like, and oh then God. we have this love interest between I think it's Joey, her brother, and Adrian. Nope. No, isn't well. That's what I saw. Because when Adrian was they're, all they're, like, they're they're friends. He and he and I. I think he he might have. I think I know one of the boys definitely has a crush on her, but they. Or was it Marcus? You'll meet Adrian. Okay. Yeah, okay. No, no, but you'll you'll meet Adrian's love interest in the next. Okay. Time. Yeah. Hopefully, it's not going to be like an Ian character where I'm like, that wasn't supposed to happen. <laughs> that blindsided me. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I'm very opinionated. <laughs> I mean, I had to laugh. I know exactly though. what it is that I want. I had to laugh though when speaking <laughs> of Joey character, he goes, "What's up?" And I'm like, "Is this a Friends reference?" <laughs> well, oh, when you're geez. looking at these I am um, references and like these other The Gap references oh, when yeah. she's shopping, uh, which, which she's going through the mall and they list off all the very. 2005 stores that were in a mall. Now, this is also good hot topic. I, I'll add into that. That's before it became the popular store. Still, when it was scary, like you walked by it and you're like, oh, I don't want to go in there. See, I much prefer hot topic now. <laughs> mm, each their own. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a great, great book. Um, there's There's some good lines about you know, there's a line, I believe, that I don't know if it's Lyra who says it to to Kara, but she's like, you know, you must look beyond what your eyes see and what your fingers touch. Magic always starts from the heart. And then there's a, a line later that says a true heart makes true magic. And I really liked those lines. They felt very jewel writers and they're just kind of a great little encapsulation of this book. 
of Kara finding her true heart. And it also speaks to just the integrity of the character as well. Right. So next we're going to be reading Cry of the Wolf. That'll be exciting. Again, I'm assuming it's a book about Adrian. So now we get to know a little bit more. (laughs) Maybe I'll see Grandma now because I didn't see Grandma in this past book. So maybe Um, she'll come back. I don't know. Don't spoil anything. But, you know. I'll just say that Grandma does not show up in that book. I will not tell you anything more than that. (laughs) Okay. I need, like, I I need Grandmother Willow character over here. Like, that's Grandma to me. Hey, you know, there actually is a character that shows up much later on in the book. Oh, well, then we're excited. Okay, then we're excited. I forgot all all about that. So that's... (laughs) Don't tell me. (laughs) Fun. Okay, cool. So we'll be reading that book, and we'll be covering that in July. So we got to stay tuned till then. And, you know, I just have to say... I am loving exploring the world of Avalon outside of just reading the stories, you know, actually going out and finding more about the lore, you know, a little bit of a backstory for myself. Again, I didn't really know about this series and it wasn't until Chris had really told me about it and he bought me this omnibus book years and years ago. And I've just had it on the shelf when I was reading them through the last time. Which was? Which was like 2012, I want to say. So it's been almost 10 years. (laughs) And, you know, it's not that I didn't want to read it. It's just that I never really, I don't know, I I wasn't really motivated to do so. And and I wish, you know, that I had done it earlier, perhaps. But I like still exploring them right now. And so reading through these and starting to want to find more and then going onto the Wikipedia, reading more about the Avalon and, you know, going to the Avalon archive and Jack seeing your collection as well and reaching out to fans and finding out about the music, finding out about, you know, the actual releases of the books and just doing a couple of YouTube searches. I mean, recently we added a couple of playlists to our YouTube for the Jorius archive where you can find Avalon Web of Magic fan videos, fan art videos. We even uploaded the audiobook, which thanks again, Jack, for that. And that was actually where I got the correct pronunciation since we were last time <laughs> debating whether it was, you know, Kara or Kara. Mandy Moore says Kara and she says Adrian. So I'm going to go with those, you know, Good. wording. I'm, I'm assuming that, you know, she was also probably directed by whether it's Rachel Roberts or someone involved with the series to say this is the right, you know, way to pronounce that name. So that's that's how I found out about that. But, you know, we're releasing the music. We're releasing so many different aspects and assets of the series that I just really hadn't had the chance to really dig deep down before and to look into. Jack, anything you want to chime in on there regarding the site or things that people can find? Well, I just add, I've just found the coloring book pages that they used to have on one of the official websites. So if you guys are bored and still... Um, Sheltering in, yeah, coloring pages. They're up, they're up. I rescued them. They're on my website. Print them out. Color them in. We want to see them. <laughs> awesome. And we have jewelry coloring sheets too, if anyone's interested in those. So, with regards to the Avalon archive as well, um, something that Chris and I were talking about are not so much the reviews, but kind of the you know point pointing out the jewelry references and things like that that you guys had done so many years ago. You know, looking back at those. I'm I'm sure it's fun to look at them, but do you feel like you've also gained some insight since those years of writing them on the, you know, whether it was the live journal or or wherever it was? 
I, I don't like I I reread some of them. Uh, the things I wrote, I, I feel like I was kind of reaching <laughs> with, with some of my analysis. It's probably I honestly probably should not have written a lot of those while I was in grad school. <laughs> <laughs> but, I but, mean, it's all it's always cringy to go back and read you, what you have written yeah. previously, right? Like even yeah, if it, it was even if it was you know like I like this at the time, and that, then you go back, yeah. you know, five eight years later, and you're like, oh no. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> ah, that's the way it always is. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's it's regarding... nice to be able to, you know, come back to them actually now and read the books again because I was writing all of those off of the initial read through of the book that I had done. So to be able to have those as things to just look back on as I'm reading the books again this time is is kind of fun because I've I've done a little bit of that legwork for kind of taking the book apart a little bit. Not anything like the legwork Jack has done with each chapter. but Of course. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Oh, tell us about that. I mean, so what can fans find regarding each of the chapters? Well, usually a quick summary if uh, and then uh, – and, and comparisons between both the um, original and new editions. So, like, I'll, I'll have quotes that are either changed um, between the editions or like or deleted. Like, like I'll, I'll have them I, written out somewhere in the write-up. Um, some and then sometimes if I'm, I guess if it's really uh, bored or saucy, that day will be a pop culture reference or two or a video. <laughs> <laughs> which I think half of I think half of them don't work anymore because you know it's been almost a decade. So. <laughs> oh well, we're gonna have to look at those and try to revamp some of them. You know, there are yeah. so many cultural references in here, and as we were talking about, whether it's stores or instant messenger or just you know mm-hmm. classic fairy tale references, I I love how they've kind of sprinkled the whole entire book with with those types of suggestions or or those types of references that you know kids or people of youthful mindsets will latch on to and be like oh like I totally knew you know she had a mirror mirror on the wall moment or you know when she's saying something else you know (laughs) yeah it was like oh that's fun like you know she's you know pretending to be Snow White or you know when they referenced her as Rapunzel when her hair was growing like that and that scene oh my gosh when Lyra's hair was and they said that she looked like a like a mammoth or something like that made me laugh so hard just picturing this like fuzzy little like mound of fur like kind of walking oh my goodness i love the fact that you're just connecting with the characters and like you know you really are excited about the next series so next we're going to be reading cry of the wolf in july so you'll have to join us then anything in summary no, I, I don't believe so. Oh, I was okay. wanting to give you, give you. All right. <laughs> no, no, I think we're good. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, we don't want to spoil anything. So. <laughs> yeah. You're so right, worried about spoilers. spoilers. It's so I am because like <laughs> I'm reading this and I'm really interested. Like I don't want to be spoiled. Like I don't want to be that person that's like, oh, there's no point in watching that movie. You know they die at the end. And it's like, <laughs> what? Like I didn't know that. Someone did that to me to Star Wars. Although I was never gonna watch that. And then they're like, yeah. He dies. I'm all like, well, thanks for telling me. I didn't find out this long, but thanks for letting me know. <laughs> Spoiler alert, I guess, to anyone out there who hasn't seen it. Thank you so much to Jack for joining us for All That Glitters. 
you can find us here next in July, where we'll be covering Cry of the Wolf. If you want to find more about Avalon Web of Magic, you can go to www.avalonarchive.wordpress.com. Or if you want to find more about Jewel Riders, you can find us at www.jewelridersarchive.com or on any of our social media accounts. If you want to listen to this podcast, you can find us on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and our home on Podbean. So, again, thank you so much, Jack, for coming on and chatting Avalon Web of Magic with us. Thanks, Looking Jack. forward to the next time. All right. I'm looking forward to it. Nice, nice. All right. And so, I guess as we'll sign off, as they always do in Jewel Riders, we say friends together, friends forever. Friends forever. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Take care. Bye. Bye.